Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Helps it on to Tyrone Mings and Konza! Esri Konza strikes gold for Aston Villa! Hello and welcome back to Gather in the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagastitlamp.com. We're back for another trip round the Villaverse and we'll be discussing Villa's match with Leicester last Sunday as well as one or two other issues which may or may not include Jack Grealish as we also look ahead to this weekend's match with Leeds United. After a brief absence, I'm back. My name's Regan. You can find me on Twitter at FindFoy and I'm joined today by Andy. Hello everyone. Nice to be back and nice to be on the other side answering the questions today but it's uh, it was enjoyable hosting for for a couple while uh, while you're away Regan so um yeah but looking forward to uh, to getting into this latest game and you know trying to trying to find out what went wrong really well yeah um, Villa welcomed Leicester City to B6 on Sunday afternoon which was to provide another test of our capabilities of getting into Europe this season you know, the lead up to the game was absolutely dominated by rumours surrounding Captain Jack Grealish and a mystery injury which which may or may not keep him out of the squad. Um the talk was that he'd sustained another shin injury similar to that which kept him out for around three months in the championship. And this was met with obviously anxiety and the feeling of impending doom by the majority of the fan base as the club closed the shutters, unplugged the phones to maintain a radio silence on the matter. You know, it was initially kind of coming out because of uh, players and, and players involved in and around the club um, removing him from their fantasy football teams. Obviously, there were pictures that of the training that he hadn't appeared in on the Friday and, and things like that. But you know, as the team was announced, it was revealed that Grealish was indeed injured. Um, you know, few details were given and and are still still in short supply, really, as we record. Um, it, it felt a bit strange, really. What did you make of the way that the club handled the issue? And you know, do you think any advantage was gained from trying to keep it under wraps? Well, I'm clearly no advantage was gained because um, it, <laughs> it, it certainly didn't affect <laughs> affect Leicester. Although some people said that um, Leicester had kind of picked two right backs to to um, to cover Jack Grealish as as West Ham and I think um, possibly Brighton had done as well. But I just don't think that's true. I think I think they picked the team um, you know that uh, that they thought would would beat Villa. With or without Jack Grealish, really, and I, I imagine they they had as much um, information as everyone else, and probably expecting Grealish not to be playing. So um, I think it made absolutely no difference. I, I, I do I do struggle with the way the club handles this, particularly um, around Jack Grealish. Although we had it a little bit with John McGinn as well last year, and it's this kind of week to week. Um, yeah, he might be back next week, and we're going to assess him match by match. And you think, actually, 
you're not, are you? You know he's he's injured. You know he's probably not going to play for for some time, and and yet you kind of keep this cloak and daggers, smoke and mirrors type type thing going, and it, I, I just find it very frustrating, and I don't really know what it achieves. To be honest, I, d- I don't see the problem. I mean, they they have a a press conference every week where they're asked about injuries, and they normally Dean Smith will sit there and say, well, you know. Courtney Hawes is out, Wesley's out, you know, whoever else might be. So I, I, I don't see why you can't just say, well, you know, we're we're a bit concerned about Grealish this week, you know, and then if he's if he is fit, then he plays and it, and it's fine. But it doesn't. It's it just takes for for me. It just it just overrides the, you know, the the game. The whole the whole thing was about Grealish not playing, whereas actually. We could have dealt with that on Friday or Saturday, and then and then just just got on with the the game and you know focused on the players that were playing rather than essentially giving them excuse to go missing for the afternoon. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, what, what what do you make of it, and what do you what do you think of that that type of strategy? Well, we've seen it already this season with with Ross Barkley, haven't we? Um, you know, he was expected to come back in at, at some point, and then you know it was another two or three games before he actually did. And you know, fans go into a bit of a meltdown when you're expecting a player to be on the team sheet because of you know things that have been shared on social media and and, and you know statements from the club or from from Dean Smith. And then when the player's not there, you there's a bit of shock and awe, and um, I think the fan base struggles to deal with that at times. But you know, it's it's a two-sided coin, isn't it? On one hand, you've you've got to consider the fact that they probably don't want to reveal too much about an injury because, for example, if Jack is back against Leeds, um, then. You know, Dean perhaps doesn't want to say that because Leeds will be preparing for a game without him. Um, it makes it harder for the opposition to prepare their kind of match plan and their tactics. But at the same time, it keeps the fans in the dark, and and that's not a good thing because it creates unrest. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen it with Wesley recently as well. You know, um, he was expected to join in with training. Um, like physical contact training in January, um, and there were pictures of him in in training, obviously just doing like like running and things like that. Before Dean actually confirmed that he's set to join in contact training within the next couple of weeks, and you know, I, does it say something about our kind of physio team? Does does it take longer for our players to kind of get up to scratch or are we just unlucky with these injuries i know i know wesley um was struggling with his like range of motion kind of with it with his uh with his knee and his leg so you know do we have to raise questions about whether it's just a something that dean smith is trying to do in terms of tactics or whether he's just kind of been a bit coy and 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 they don't really know when these players are expected back, so they're just kind of leading fans along. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, personally, I don't see what advantage can be gained from it. From I mean, like you say, the other way around, it might be because it might be a surprise for it if if you know if Villa turn up at Leeds and 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 Grealish is it, Grealish walks off the coach. It might it might be 
you know, a bit more of a, a surprise and, you know, perhaps they've got to alter their game plan a little bit. Um, but the other way around, it, I, I don't see how it how it makes any difference whatsoever. Um, other than, you know, just to just to make perhaps the other players feel like, you know, well, we've got to we've got to kind of cover up the fact that, that Grealish isn't playing. Well, what does that say about what they think of us? You know, so it's kind of I don't know. It, it, it just doesn't it doesn't really sit right with me in terms of a a realist a reasonable kind of strategy. And and like you said, now they they don't really have to tell the fans what's going on. Um, but I think people don't like being at the same time people don't like being lied to do they or kept in the dark it's just a natural thing we don't like it and if we feel like that then it it kind of makes makes us feel a bit a bit um you know disjointed from the club maybe and that's that's not a good place to be particularly when as you know things have healed so well um it look it may be that it is just a week or two and and he, he just needs to rest it up a bit and and whatever the injury is, he'll be fine. But I've just seen this before and I can see it dragging on and on, really. Um, and at some point, you'd like to think that they'd be big enough to just, just come out and say, look, he's going to be out for for this length of time. This is the plan and, and we'll hope to get him back by this date. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting thing you raise about the, the physios and the f- the medical department and you know have they got the capabilities to to kind of get players back in a timely manner um if they all seem to sort of lag behind what you'd expect really i think that you know social media really plays a negative part in this as well because you'll have people that you know profess to be in the know or people that claim to know Jack or the family and they'll say you know oh, he feels like he's due back in a couple of weeks or he feels like he's ready for the Leeds game or, or whatever and then you know that stuff goes almost viral within the fan base and everyone always half expects you know what what people are saying to happen and it's the exact same with transfers but it's just more disheartening with with injuries, you know, people don't always expect every transfer target to join. We've seen it with the likes of Ben Rama and other players, but with injuries, you know, that bit of hope, that bit of something from from social media where it says, you know, this player's back at this time, that that has such a negative effect on on what perhaps Dean is trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, and I think I think we've definitely seen a, a, a change in how these things are managed. Um, you know, with, with social media being such a big influence now um, on these things, and I think I think this is it. And I think you know, people through social media, you see it on on Twitter and and so on. People have have much greater access to some some to players, but also to to players' families. Um, you know, people know kind of people in 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 Grealish's family and 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 talk to him presumably, and you know can get get little bits of information. And whether they decide to spread that around, then is is kind of up to them, isn't it? And not saying they do that, but but it creates a, a kind of a wider bubble of people that 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 can that can 
sort of get get hold of this information than than you'd normally expect. So um, I think it's it's a big thing, and of course, you, of course, it drives some of the the mood and the atmosphere around the club, um, particularly as you know that it is the only it's the main kind of way to communicate about the club at the moment. So. Uh, it's it's a, it's a massive thing, social media, and I think we'll probably get onto the you know fantasy football stuff um, a bit later. But you know, it's 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 all tied in, and it's 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 a it's a little bit the fantasy football stuff is is a little bit more worrying, really. But um, the uh, yeah, so, social media is <laughs> it's just a massive kind of um, sort of mole or or boil, isn't it on 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 the game? at times and yeah it's just sometimes it'd be better if it wasn't there well yeah you you mentioned the fancy football stuff and you, you know it, it's something that players are allowed to do there's no rules against it the, the, the premier league haven't set a rule saying you know you can't select a fantasy football team uh, as a player well you know there, there are issues that could potentially be raised for example let's say um I don't know. Uh, let's say Sanchez, the Brighton keeper, has um, Mateta, the guy who scored against him last night, in his fancy team. You know, what's to say that he doesn't let a goal go in for those extra fancy points? Like, you know, it's it's a stupid kind of thing to raise because... Three points in the Premier League is worth a lot more than you know a couple of points for scoring a goal on fancy football, but there there is, there is potential for for something like that. You you never know in the world of football. Um, but interestingly, a couple of Villa players and people involved in and around the club, um, like Conor Hurahan, who's currently away um, on loan at Swansea, had Jack in their fancy football team and removed him as soon as word that he wasn't going to be playing came out. And this is where it's thought the initial kind of leak came from because there are FPL accounts on Twitter that follow uh, players' teams and I I believe that that Matt Target's team was was spotted by one of these accounts and they saw that Grealish had been taken out, um, looked at at Hurahane and then alongside that, you know, the news of it actually coming out... um, people kind of put two and two together and realised that Jack probably wasn't going to be playing. So it, it does create some kind of issue. And I I, I think uh, talks at a board level happened this in the past week, and I, I believe that players uh, Villarene banned from playing fantasy football, which seems a little bit dictatory, but if... if key things like a player's injury are going to be leaked that way, then, you know, it absolutely makes sense. Well, this, I mean, if the first thing that a player in the team does is, is you know, remove a player from their team who they know is injured, then, you know, that, that's going to get picked up in this day and age where you've, you know, there are, you know, obviously these these bots, they call them, don't they, that, that, that can harvest all this information very, very quickly. You know that they pick up on that, and then before you know it, you've you know the the, the team kind of secrets, if you like, are are, are out and are, are all over social media, and it does seem a bit of a stretch, and it does seem a bit of a shame that that players can't involve themselves in these things, and 
But if that's how they're going to do it, if that's how they're going to... I mean, when I used to play fantasy football back in the 90s, you could make something like... You had a team of 11 players and you could make, say, three transfers a season, you know. So it wasn't it wasn't like this kind of ongoing, kind of ever-moving, changeable kind of thing. You know, it was you picked it at the start of the season, that was it, basically. Um, so... And obviously it wasn't all online, it was you know, written down and stuff, but I'm very old. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it is a thing now that, and, and I suppose the, the, mo- the more worrying aspect of it is if, if you can harvest enough information to, to influence the betting markets and things like that on, on, on certain issues, you know that that's that's when it becomes more of a problem. I think team secrets. I mean, you know, the England team have had to put up with this, you know, since the dawn of time, where reporters will go to extraordinary lengths to to find out what the team, what the England team is, as soon as they can, so they can be the one to break the team in the newspapers, and that's been going on, like I say, since England have ha, had a team, you know, so. It's 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 just one of those things. People are going to try and find out your team, you know, because that's 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 part of the game. That's part of the part of what happens. So I'm, I'm not I'm not overly concerned about that. It's more the 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 potential influence that it might have on the betting markets, and you know, and and if players are involved in these these games, who's not who's to say that they're not, you know, playing within the. The, the normal network, but for for much higher stakes, maybe or different stakes to everyone else. So, um, I think things like that have to be looked at and investigated, really, um, because that's obviously, you know, gambling and players gambling is a serious um, uh, issue in football, um, as as people like Trippier and Sturridge and such like have, have found out. So, um, that's the main issue with that for for me, really. Um, I think managers that are worried about their team leaking before the the start of the before the game, I just think, yeah, you, you, <laughs> I'm sure you'd like to keep it secret, but but part of the thing people do is try and guess the team. That's 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 the nature of the game. You mentioned betting and and you know players that have kind of told family members or friends about future future transfers and things like that that have obviously been reprimanded but you know these these kind of things outside of fancy football um these kind of things can influence betting like like you mentioned for example if someone in the squad turned around and said to their friend like oh jack's injured we're going to struggle on 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 a, on sunday you know what's to say that friend doesn't then go oh, okay if he's saying that i'm going to go and whack 20 quid on leicester to win or you know 20 quid on you know less than five shots or you know things like that um so yeah it can definitely have an influence like that so it it is very interesting and it's it's a debate that could go on for hours so uh let's let's get into the actual <laughs> game so um Anwar El Ghazi was the player selected to replace Grealish. He had something to prove, you know. He was he was in fine form over the Christmas period, and then he was dropped as soon as Barkley was back. Um, so you know he had something to prove, uh, and Villa really set up as expected. El Mahamedi also came in replacing Matty Cash, who was out with a hamstring tweak. 
excitingly, uh, Kane, Kesler, Hayden, and Carney Chukwameka took their pa- places on the bench. And you know, it's always great to see youngsters that you've heard so much about involved in the match day squad. And, and we, we've seen it in the past. Um, and sometimes those players haven't kind of gone on to to do what they expect of us. But these are two players that that have such high expectations to meet because of everything that like, fans have heard about them. So it was really great to see them on the on the bench. Um, but Villa really started on on the back foot in this game. Leicester played almost continuously inside Villa's final third, and it felt like only a matter of time before they scored. And evidently, on the 19th minute, James Madison took advantage of a mix-up between El Mahamedi and Ezri Konza and managed to slot past Martinez from the edge of the box. You know, this seemed no more than Villa deserved, really. We were lax at times. What are your thoughts uh, about this goal and, and what were your thoughts at this point in the game? Did you think there was a long afternoon of football ahead? Yeah, I mean, that, that first 20 minutes was probably up there with the worst... I've seen us and this 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 season. I mean, even going back to last season, you know, these were the type of performances we were we were putting in really, and and it was a bit of a concern. And the goal goes in, and you're kind of expecting it really, but it was it was it was quite disappointing the way it happened. And I think I think Elmo has kind of got involved in a situation he perhaps didn't need to, and that's almost. I mean, obviously, it's it's gifted a, a shooting opportunity to Madison. And it's he's got Mings on his heels, and he's he, he's not sure whether to whether to go and commit or or to um you know to 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 kind of cover the pass. But I mean, Madison's always going to shoot from there, and and it was a tidy finish. And you sort of thought, oh, you know, that nineteen minutes, and we're playing, you know, some of the worst football, or not even playing football. Where we we were we were just kind of standing there and allowing. Leicester to, to pass it around us. Um, I think other than a other than a good kind of break by Ollie Watkins um, shortly before that, but it was it was it was a worrying start for de- for definite. And you sort of think with Leicester's um, dynamism in front of goal, and I thought, I mean, this could be a, this could be a really long afternoon. And um, yeah, I think I think that was probably that reflected on on social media as well. It, it felt like, oh god, we've just got to get through this, um, conceding a few goals as as possible. Really. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately for for Villa and Villa fans everywhere, it wasn't long before Leicester doubled their lead. You know, they again caused havoc in the Villa defence before Martinez was forced into spilling a shot into the feet of Harvey Barnes, who made no mistake in firing it into the roof of the net. You know, the worrying thing here was the ease in which Leicester cut through Villa and the seeming lack of reaction from Villa for both goals. You know, at this point, did you think it could potentially be a cricket score? When the second one went in, yes. I thought, I I was thinking back to the... um the Leicester 9-0 um, with Southampton but also games we've had you know both league games against Leicester last season were were kind of 4-0 and 4-1 weren't they and you kind of think this could get this could get serious now because we just didn't look like we had an outlet and we didn't we looked slow we looked really moribund off you know off the ball when we got the ball we just didn't feel like it didn't seem like we could we could really um, make any inroads um, apart from, like I say, um, you know, one or two 
one or two kind of breaks by Ollie Watkins. Um, and I thought, you know, to be fair, I did think uh, the first half. I thought I thought Al Ghazi looked like he was going to have a little go as well. He had a couple of little runs, and he he, he did set up a set up um, a, a chance for for Troyore, um as well with with Watkins obviously heavily involved in that too. And it was you know, but it it was all too few and far between, and we just off the ball, we just looked static, really static, and. Um, yeah, I just thought Leicester are going to just going to keep keep piling it on, and um, yeah, it was, it was just that kind of we concede one and there was no reaction at all, and then you just concede another one, and you just think, oh, you know, where's this going to end? Well, somehow Villa managed to get to half time at only two 0 down, and Dean Smith said after the game that that during half time he got into the players, and and really they did produce something of a reaction you know shortly after the break there was a, a lovely piece of interplay between target and Algarze which saw the left backs apply a superb cross which uh, McGinn helped on for Traore making a run from the back post to fire past Michael you know it was a really well worked goal and it showed that we do have quality despite being well below par in this game and missing uh, missing Jack Grealish you know um and Gareth Southgate was watching on and likely watching to see the likes of Barnes and Madison um, and probably Grealish if he would would have actually been playing but you know the, a word for Matt Target who's, who's definitely showing his credentials for a potential England spot this summer in front of Gareth Southgate Yeah I think so I think he's he's definitely been our most improved player since the start of the season I think he's He's really solid now at, at, at left back. His his defensive game has come come on immensely, and I just think that 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 move just showed what he's all about. You know, and he can link up, and he will have a go. He will try try things and 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 try and get him behind. He's got a he's got a great ball on on him, a really good cross on him, and uh, that was a just a lovely a lovely bit of play, and you know, quite underrated really. I, I didn't. I didn't feel it got the, um, the 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 credit it kind of deserved, you know, on the commentary or on you know social media. Really, I thought it was a a really good piece of of, of fullback play, really, and um, a great cross. And I do think he's he's got a chance with England. I think his main issue is that the the reemergence of Luke Shaw um, this season, because you'd probably say that Chilwell would be. First choice left back for England, and certainly Luke Shaw. You know, if he's on form, you know, he's probably in the in the in the conversation as well. But I, I think Matt Target, he's barely put a foot wrong for for a number of weeks, and you know, I've I've sort of said that. Um, I mean, against Brighton, you know, the the front players weren't really doing an awful lot. Even Grealish wasn't doing an awful lot. And I felt like Matt Target was was one player who was really trying to make something happen down that side, and it was all credit to him, really. I think he's been. I mean, I wrote a piece right at the start of the season saying that he had to really up his game because I felt that, you know, Smith might look to improve that that area of the field in January, but he hasn't had to because Target has been, you know, has really really improved and. You know, he he says I think John Terry's had a bit of a hand in that, which which is you know he's great he's great to hear. So yeah, I know I know you're a, you're a big fan of Matt Target as well. Do you think he's he's got a chance of 
of England? I think he's one of four potential options, and they'll they'll probably take two of them. There's there's Target, uh, Chilwell. Shaw and Creswell, and I mean, you know, if you look, if you're judging it by, by the table, you'd probably think that it, it's going to be Shaw and uh, Shaw and Chilwell, by the looks of it. But you know, all four of them are in in, in a massive shout to uh, to try to try and go to the Euros this summer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's. I suppose it depends. A lot depends on. Um on what system you know Southgate's looking to play as well because you know in a in a back three you'd probably look to have someone more like Saka um playing at left wing back but and Creswell's been playing more as a, a sort of left sided centre back really in the back three when, when Moyes has played a back three at West Ham. Yeah. Um, but I certainly think you know he's in the top three certainly of of you know Full left backs that would play in a back four. I think he's he's certainly in the top in the top uh, in the top three of those. And um, all credit to him. I just think he's. I I didn't think he had the stomach for it. I have to say, um, but he's proved me hundred percent wrong. He's he's a really tough player and and he's got a real a real work ethic and and I I, I just love to see that when players. When players shove it down my throat, so <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Well, in truth, in this game, Villa struggled to create much more than Truro's goal, as Leicester kept us at arm's length. Um, you know, Dean Smith made much needed changes, as uh, Jacob Ramsey, Morgan Sanson, and Trezeguet all made appearances from the bench. This seemed to provide some energy to the midfield, with Louise, Barkley and El Ghazli largely ineffective up to that point. How do you assess the midfield situation? You know, it, it seems clear that Barkley's struggling, um, and even Louise and McGinn have looked leggy during games. Is it time to give the likes of Ramsey another start? You know, performed well against Wolves. Um, is it time to give Sanson a start? I know Dean Smith is looking to kind of get him used to the way we play, um, and and he's got this kind of six month bedding in period almost. But do you think it's it's time to give these players a, a chance? Well, I don't see how it how it would do any harm. I think I think you've got to be careful about making wholesale changes, and particularly. Um, now, if, if Grealish is going to be out um, for a while, I certainly think certain players, like particularly like McGinn, um, need to remain in the side really, but just for their leadership and 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 character as much as anything. Um, I've seen a, I've seen a bit of um, sort of negativity towards McGinn, and I can I can understand that, but I I, I just think he's he's so important to the way. The way we play, and 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 he's, he's important to, for the heart and soul of the team, in my opinion. In a similar way to to how Mings was when he was going through a bit of a rocky patch earlier in the season, um, so I wouldn't be taking him out of the side. But um, maybe you know, Louis needs a rest. I mean, he's 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 a young player still. He's he's had a really good sort of calendar year last last year, twenty twenty. Um, and he's just perhaps gone off the off the boil a little bit since Christmas. Um, you know, we have other players. We have a new signing. Who I think the issue with Sanson is, you can wait and wait and wait till he's 
you feel he's ready and he understands the way we play. But by then he's lost all his match fitness. I mean he was he was match fit. You know he's been playing for Marseille right up until he signed. So I th- you know you 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 end up sort of waiting and waiting to get him used to the way Villa play, and then he's not ready because he's not match fit. So I think. Yes, I think I think there is a case for certainly Sanson and 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 Ramsey. I think I think Barkley needs to needs a break. I know Smith said he's he's looking to to kind of continue to break him in to the side, but he's just a passenger at the moment. And I think we need players that are that that are, are really up for it and re- raring to go, and who are sort of on on form. And Ramsey certainly looks. Looks like he's chomping at the bit to get in, so I'd, I'd be making that change for sure on on Sunday, Ramsey for Barkley, and then it's just a case of whether, you know, you, you perhaps think of um, Sanson coming in for 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 Douglas Louise, which is a big call. Um, I don't know what you think or whether you think Nakamba maybe is a is an option as well. Yeah, I was just about to mention Marvellous Nakamba. I think, you know, when he has made appearances this season, he's not put a foot wrong. Um, and we've we've got a squad, and it's up to us to utilise it. It's just whether you know Dean will do that. I think you know past performances in the in the past couple of weeks have have shown that we need these kind of players, these these squad depth players, to actually try and break into this team. And you know it's up to them in training, I guess, to to change Dean's mind because it doesn't look like that's going to happen from from in game performances at the moment. Yeah, and I, th- I think another issue as well is. You know, when you are making changes to a team, when you've lost a player like like Grealish, who is so integral to to how we how we play, you know, sometimes you need to change your style, change your change your system, you know, to incorporate a different way of playing. And it might be that he has to look at that and say, well, we can't just replace like for like with Grealish. We 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 might have to, you know. Overload a part of the team, or 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 change the shape a little bit, and, and how we're setting up because you know you you can't just the same as you can't really mark Grealish with two or three players. You, you can't just replace him with 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 one with one player with that with Al Ghazi. You know it's just not going to work. You have to you have to sort of think about what he offers you and how we might get around that you know tactically and, and change the way we we approach things um to compensate for Grealish not being there so you know that's got to come into to the thinking a little bit as well i think and i think he thought well perhaps it's too late to to do that for Leicester to so change like for like but i think we need we might need to look at a different shape i mean wesley might come into that um I don't know what you think about that. Wesley might might add a little bit of um, forward momentum and 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 maybe play 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 Watkins off off Wesley a little bit. Um, that might be an option going forward. I saw something on <coughs> Twitter the other day, and it mentioned playing Watkins as a left winger. He's played there before for Brentford, and and playing Keenan Davis up top now. Villa fans know that Keenan Davis doesn't really offer much in front of goal, but Watkins has been scoring in the past from this left-wing position. We've seen him drift out there on multiple occasions in the past when he's been playing up front. So do you, does it not beg the question of whether it's worthwhile to kind of have Davis as that target man to, to occupy you know, the two centre-backs? Because he's certainly strong enough and he's certainly agile enough, but... 
for, for me, there's so many things to consider for this Leeds game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an option, isn't it? Uh, and I think certainly that's it might be something they look at. But I think the fact that you know we've needed goals, late goals in our last two games, and Davis hasn't hasn't come off the bench, <laughs> I think says it all. Really, I think they just don't trust him to to be able to 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 change a game or to make any kind of impact. So. Um, that would be a, a big call. I mean, the, the the one that I would say is if if you wanted a, you know, a, someone a, a bit of a wild card would be um, Louis Barry, but obviously he's not fit at the moment either. So, um, you know, that's <laughs> that's not an option of, available either. So, um, I, d- I don't know. I, d- I don't know how it goes. I think they've got to come up with something reasonably clever for for Leeds because um, certainly. You know, Bielsa will be all over it, and uh, you know he'll be looking to exploit every every avenue that we that we leave open. So it's got to be it's got we've got to either be you know really really tight, or um, or come up with some some way of of kind of bypassing their press and, and getting in behind them a bit. So what can we take from this Leicester result? Do you think it was a disappointing day which could have been worse? Were there any positives to take forward into this Leeds game? Well, as I said, the I think the the um uh you know the the, the certainly the move for the goal, um the bit of um added energy in the second half. We were certainly the team that were pushing more second half and perhaps reasonably likely to 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 get an equalizer i think that that that's something that's that's positive i think i think there was enough there to say that we haven't lost it completely um clearly the team i think is going through a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a confidence crisis at the moment and you know maybe um a return to to the basics a little bit like we did after lockdown last year um you know, might be might be a bit of a way forward for us. Just 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 making sure that we're we're not giving goals away. Um, which, to be fair, I mean, we only we lost two one, so we it hasn't affected the goal difference too much, really. Um, but I think I think we do I think we do need to to just refocus a little bit, and particularly with Leeds coming up. And I think you know they're, they're certainly a, a bogey side for us and. You know they 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 blew us away at Villa Park, so um, I'm uh, I'm not I can't say I'm looking forward to it, but I think there are some positives, and we we know that we're we're a better side than we've been showing in the last um, two or three weeks, even even without Jack. So um, you know, what, what, how do you how do you see it? Do you th- would you would there be any kind of positives that you'd take or any changes that you'd be making now? I think I think yeah the second half is definitely a positive. I don't think we were bad in the second half by any means. Um it's just it's just the f- the first half needs to be fixed because we've had we've had f- granted against Brighton we were poor all game but like we we've had a couple of first half poor performances this season and you know, we've we've had that last season as well. We had so many press conferences where Dean was like, "We can't play the way we did in that first half of this game," or "We can't play the way we did in the second half of this game." Um, so it's about a complete ninety-minute performance, and that's something we seem to be struggling with at the moment. Yeah, I think I think that's it. And um, I mean, we, we haven't really, like we say, we haven't really played 
particularly well since the first half at, at Burnley. And, you know, I don't know whether it's just a, a reaction a little bit to that to that COVID break and not having the right amount of training, perhaps, and, you know, really just been playing games and recovering, really. Um, you know, we've had some difficult games. And, and to be fair, we've, we've, we've got, a, in, along the way, we've picked up um, two or three pretty good results as well. So... It's not it's not all doom and gloom at the moment and you know, like people keep keep reminding us we are still sat eighth in the league. So um there is a lot to be positive about. Um maybe we're just being a little bit kind of um reactive um in the way that we would have been in in the recent past when things have were were just terrible. Um all the time so uh, perhaps we're just reverting to that a little bit and uh, maybe we need to just sort of open open our minds a little bit and you know and and, and sort of see see where we're actually at which is a, a a lot better than we were this time two years ago this week fans got the news that all being well there may be a chance of fans returning to matches in time for the final weekend of the premier league season Granted, this hasn't been discussed by the Premier League and it is likely that it's going to be the start of next season. But regardless, you know, it's certainly welcome news for for season ticket holders in particular. But it almost signifies the light at the end of this tunnel for everyone. And hopefully we can get back to some kind of normality of enjoying the game we love in the more traditional way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great... It was a great kind of um, boost, I think, um, when the Prime Minister sort of announced this this roadmap and football and you know large sporting events were included, um, and it kind of, I guess, kind of um, people picked up on the fact that the, that that date of the seventeenth of March kind of would then include the last weekend of, of, of the Premier League season and that up to sort of 10,000 fans might be allowed in to these large grounds to, to, to watch to watch the, the final game of the season. I think people have obviously got, got quite excited about that and quite rightly, I think it's it's been a long, long, long year um, for football fans um, not able to, to go and enjoy the game and, and and not just people that go to games but I think I think it's the 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 kind of televised spectacle misses an awful lot as well um from not having fans there I think I think they do provide the the backdrop to the to the match and uh, you know and provide that atmosphere that that comes through you know on the on the TV and I think I'm sure I'm sure if we spoke to Mark now he'd be saying that you know it's it's not quite the same um, watching from where he is in America, even though he's not at the ground, it's it's you know he, he would rather there were there were supporters there that he could that he could hear. Um, and let's face it, the, the 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 crowd noise they pump in isn't isn't anything <laughs> anything like. It. I mean, I don't I don't have it on, but um, it's 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 not great, is it? So um, it's, it would just be a huge boost, I think, for, for everyone. And and I really hope the Premier League decide to allow it to be honest because I, I I hear what they say about sporting integrity um but I think I think it would be um it'd be almost criminal of of the actual game to to lock fans out after the government have said it's okay so 
Um, I think I think they need to really kind of think on that really hard and decide how how much they value their supporters really and uh, and allow it to happen. Um, so hopefully it will. Um, I'm sure you're looking forward to to getting down there and uh, like you say, hopefully next season it will be full houses as well. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. I mean, you know, I, I understand. I understand as well what they're saying about sporting integrity, and and for me. It- I'd like to try and avoid something like we had before the um, December lockdown. So you had fans in certain areas able to go to games. um, And I feel like that is fair for the fans, but unfair for the teams um, that, that don't get those kind of fans and if we have to go into another tier system or anything like that in the future i'd rather us wait for the the start of the new season um where fans can actually return but you know if they trial it at a lower level perhaps you know league one championship um beforehand then then we'll we'll have to wait and see well, I think I think that's that's a good point because the certainly the where they need the fans is in the lower leagues, you know the last if they could have the last, I think I mean I think the the EFL season sort of finishes before that that seventeenth of May, anyway. But if there was a chance for them to have, you know, a certain amount of fans um, back for a couple of games, that would be a huge boost for those clubs. Um, the Premier League can manage without. But I just think, from a from a human point of view, you know, the fans have waited for so long, you know, and we've done what we were told. We, you know, we haven't turned up at grounds, um, outside grounds. Um, there were a few sort of celebrations, I think, when for Liverpool when they won the league and Leeds and so on. But generally speaking, I think fans have, have abided by what they've been asked to do, and I just think it would be. You know, a real kick in the teeth from the Premier League to say, you know, but but like you say as well, if it's only it's only it should only be allowed if 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 all the games are in a position to do that, if all the grounds on that weekend are in a position to do it, and and maybe the the fact that everyone can't have a home game, you know, maybe that does affect affect that decision a little bit as well. But I just think you've just got to let it happen when it's when it when it can happen and. I appreciate the thing with sporting integrity, but then at the same time we've got VAR still, so you know it's um, it's it's there's no integrity in the Premier League whilst whilst VAR still exists, in my opinion. On Saturday, Villa travelled to play Leeds United, who, as you've already mentioned, demolished us at Villa Park earlier in the season. There's certainly no love lost between the team's supporters, especially on social media, and this will be a game where Dean Smith will want to show that he doesn't simply rely on Jack Grealish to win matches for him, and that he can organise his team to win big matches in the skipper's absence. Short and simple, as we usually do to end a podcast, score prediction. Really difficult one. I'm going to be optimistic and say 3-1 Villa. Well, I'm going to go back to to what I used to do and predict a predict an away loss, which used to, usually meant that we won. So I'm going to say one nil to Leeds. Okay, I mean, I just I just think we're gonna we're gonna react this this week, and I think I think the players will 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 want to um, turn this round, and I think I think they are going to put in a performance, and I think there'll be a couple of team changes as we've discussed, and 
it'll make all the difference and we'll um and Leeds are getting tired. You can tell Leeds are the Bielsa burnout is starting to hit, I think, and I think we're gonna um yeah, I think we'll I think we'll we'll win. We'll win. I'll say three. Okay. Let's hope for a positive reaction then. If you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please do let us know by giving us any feedback on social media or leaving a like or a review on whatever platform that you're listening on. Uh, If you do have a podcast listening platform that you can subscribe to us on, please do so. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do at Villa Lamp on Twitter, uh, forward slash under a gaslit lamp on Facebook and at under a gaslit lamp on Instagram. As always, guys, thanks for listening and up the villa.